This is the Life and Soul podcast with me, Emma Forbes. 2020 really was an eventful year, and amidst the madness, we've all had time to reflect on what we most appreciate in life. And although we're still surrounded by uncertainty, it's important to be reminded of what really matters. I'm going to be asking some fabulous guests what makes them tick, asking them what really gives them life and what really feeds their soul. So join me for some nuggets of wisdom, a moment to breathe, and above all, a good old chat over a virtual cup of tea. And I hope that by listening, you'll leave feeling a little brighter about the year ahead. International Women's Day is March the 8th. And what better way to mark it than with somebody as fabulous as Fern Cotton. Was so thrilled to be interviewing her for the Life and Soul podcast. And she really epitomizes one strong, fabulous lady. I'm so thrilled this week to have my guest on. She's just, well, she's familiar to everybody. She's super familiar to me. I'm a massive fan of everything that she does, particularly her Happy Place podcast, the Happy Place brand, the festival, you name it, her two books and her most recent book, Speak Your Truth, all of them Sunday Times bestsellers. And and somebody I feel we've had a slightly similar path in telly. Um, Fern Cotton, welcome. Thank you so much, Emma. And I'm I'm so happy to be on. It's uh, a right treat to talk to you today. Well, I'm super excited to chat to you. And as I say, I'm, I'm a massive fan of everything you've done. And I guess in that sort of weird telly way, because let's be honest, it is a weird old world of telly. So weird. You know, you sort of go along and you think you know somebody and you feel like you've done stuff with them. And actually, you and I have sort of only really met once or twice, but I've been so impressed, I guess, and I wanted to start from this place with the way that you have navigated the TV world and how you've navigated this. And I wish in a way that I had had you more at, the, at that point in my career, because I'm sure as hell finding you helpful now, but I just thought you've just got such an incredible knowledge of how these things work. And I guess through the happy place, you've got this insight into oh just everything the sort of the I guess there's there's one thing I have to I've told you I've folded the corners down of your book but I wanted to start with this because I just thought it was such a great quote about all the sort of tv and not tv industry but the whole thing the way you described it the title was the glittering effervescent circus of glamour oh yeah um so it's where to start really and I guess we should start with your current book because I've just finished reading it I think it's magnificent read oh, thank you. frankly thank you. and for those I don't want to be the spoiler but it started off with you you know writing it when you had nodules in yeah. your throat and needing to be silent well I had a um a really large cyst on my vocal cords so they just weren't shutting basically and it meant that I couldn't really carry on doing the podcast and the voice work that I was sort of doing at the time I wasn't massively stressed out because this was like pre-pandemic so I was thinking oh I might get a couple of weeks off work here but what it did was really act as a catalyst for me to look at why is this little cyst there why is it not elsewhere on my body and I think I just started to intuitively link it to all the times that I haven't been honest you know not only with other people but with myself but probably more with other people because I think previously and still sometimes today I found it really difficult to say exactly what I want without feeling like they're not going to like me or they're going to judge me or they're going to go and tell people that I'm a complete rotter or whatever it might be yeah rather than just sort of 
you know, setting boundaries or saying no to people or just sort of articulating what I'm really feeling. And that really has caused a lot of problems over the years with relationships and sometimes friendship, not so much because I've got really great friends, but also just sort of, you know, work dynamics, etc. And I just thought, oh my God, there's so much room for improvement here. And then <laughs> The book literally wrote itself because I had so much to say on it because I knew I was so bloody awful at it. The book is brilliant because, as I say, I don't think there's anybody that wouldn't resonate with the book. Yeah. There was so much in it that I thought, oh, you're so right. Because, you know, I'm the same. I'm I'm pretty vocal. But what I loved is you said, you know, you, you do this warning in the book. You said speaking the truth doesn't always make for a peaceful life. You will 100% piss people off. And I thought it's so funny because a quote my husband always says about me is Emma you're often the person everybody's thinking it in the room but you're the person that says it <laughs> I and, love that and I, I I think to myself sometimes is that a compliment I actually don't think it's necessarily a compliment and it's really true because it's hard to be silent but it's really hard to speak your truth isn't it because if you've got kids you've got young kids you're in that whole arena like what do you say to be right about that and I guess yeah. COVID has made us all feel a bit more I think it's felt like we've all wanted to speak our truth a bit more. God, it's really hard because I think I oscillate between the two. Sometimes in moments where I've really needed to say to somebody, you know what, I'm not okay with this. I, I have been sort of debilitated in those moments and I haven't said what I've wanted. And then down the line, it's ended up way worse, way, way worse because yeah. there's been some sort of altercation, argument, whatever. Um, or, you know, the other sort of swing of the pendulum is when I I say a bit too much, but it's not usually because I'm setting boundaries. It's usually because I want somebody to really understand how much I care or get them. And I can be a bit too over the top. And I think sometimes that's put people off. I don't know how to play it cool. I'm not the sort of person who's like, I'm going to leave it a day before I text back. Often I'm like, I'm here for you. I love you. Do you need anything? I'm just going to do this for you. And everyone, you know, is a bit like, wow, just, okay, call it. But I, I, I can't find that happy medium sometimes. So, but I do think, you know, when it comes to like sort of your saying and, and how your husband has perhaps described you, I do think it's a compliment because you know what? It does take absolute guts to say it. And at the end of the day, that's what you're thinking. And there's such a warped view on, on sort of freedom of speech, I guess, really these days. You know, we're all thinking stuff and we're all processing. We're all probably secretly judging each other a little bit because this is human nature, you know, meeting people, trying to suss them out or or even with people we know and love, trying to work out what's going on in their head. And, you know, is it much worse to say it rather than just think it? I don't know. You know, sometimes I do think it is a really good thing, even if there might be a negative consequence in that moment, because it will for sure be better than six months down the line, you know, when you've built up so much resentment and then had yeah. this huge outburst or there's been a huge row. It's way better just to say what you're feeling in the moment, deal with the nitty gritty and the slight discomfort than wait to months down the line when everything sort of blows up. I think you're right. It's that discomfort in the moment. You yeah. don't like to be uncomfy and it's uncomfy if you're a sort of, I don't know, a regular person, a people pleaser, that's your sort of mojo or a fixer or somebody yeah. that likes order in their life. If you've oh, got that's to me. say something, and that's me too. If you've got to tell somebody something, I'm terrible. I also do that thing of like the sort of subtle undertone message where I think <laughs> I'm being heard. <laughs> 
because I've vaguely put it in the message, but with a sort of undercurrent. And then I'm pissed off because they haven't quite got the message. So I send a slightly different message and it can go on and on. And I'm always at the end of it. And particularly after reading your book, I was really aware of it thinking, actually, what I should have done was just said at the beginning, this is really bothering me. Yeah. I think it's very British as well. It's a very British thing to sort of not say what we're thinking and smile and nod, but inside we're going, how can you not read my mind right now? How are you not understanding that I'm not okay with this, even though I'm nodding at you and saying yes? How can you not feel that I'm not okay with this? You know, it's such a such a British thing to be a bit... It is a, it's like going to the doctor as a Brit. You kind of go and they go, how are you? Go, I'm really good. Fine. Like, yeah. I go, I've got raging earache and a sore throat yes. and I feel shit. You always we do it all the time. We do it all the time. And I think it's just, you know, even if you're not up for doing it, I think it's a really interesting subject matter to unpick and I'm really curious about how people have gone about it and also how there have been so many people that you know have really put themselves out there for either a cause they believe in or even just something they're personally going through which might be against the norm inverted commas you know there's no such thing as normal but you know people who have really sort of put themselves out there and said hey I don't think that in society this is okay or hey, this is how I feel about being a human being and I want to talk about it and get a discussion going about it. You know, there's some amazingly brave souls who have really pushed that boundary outside of the sort of everyday. And I think, you know, I've I've really looked to those sorts of people over the years as inspiration and motivation, really, to kind of keep doing what feels right in my gut rather than what I should be doing. I hate the whole should thing. And it's got to come from an intuitive gut feeling, whatever it is. And I'm just... I think, you know, I'm turning 40 this year and it does feel a bit game changing. Like I'm at the point now where I don't want to deal with any bullshit anymore or have to go around in circles or do stuff that I should be doing or say stuff I should be saying. I just want to do what feels right. And that will always come from a place of good intent because, you know, I'm constantly sifting through my own past and life and excavating what I've done right and wrong. You know, I'm not blind to any of it. So usually my motives are really from a good place. That doesn't mean I'll always get it right. You know, I will possibly make mistakes like everybody and get things totally wrong, but it comes from a place of good intent. And I think we ha- we can only do that. If we're constantly going, I should be doing this or this person needs me to do that. We're just sort of flitting around in a really sort of surface way, not really feeling what we want to be feeling. So you know, I've by no means nailed this one, but I'm deeply curious about it. Well, I think you're you're deeply curious, but I think you're also doing that great thing of really, you know, these kind of books, the, the podcasts that you do, the, the events that you set up, your Instagram lives, everything that I've seen you do. You're bringing focus to it for everybody else, but you're also completely authentic. And I am passionate about the word authentic. I'm passionate about it. I know you've got a daughter. I've got a daughter. I'm verging on being obsessive about the fact that social media and stuff like that, we have to be so careful with with both our kids, but like, you know, boys and girls, but that whole thing of like the perfect images of bodies, the perfect, you know, thing. And it's a constant struggle. You know, my daughter yeah. is 24 and I'm still saying to her that Instagram isn't real, sweetheart. That's not, yeah. you know, you know, that's not real. And, mm. and I think I've instigated that in her, but it's really hard because I too am scrolling through going, oh my God, you know, am I good oh, enough? Same. Same. I, I have to say, it's, I have to talk to myself like a child. Like, you don't know what's really going on with this person. They <laughs> look like they're totally, you know, coping and, and they've got life sussed. 
nobody has. Like the only people that have are those rare enlightened beings who end up as like an Eckhart Tolle or Buddha or, you know, Gandhi or whatever. We're we're (laughs) all just everyday people trying to get through our lives and everyone's struggling on a level. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It's everybody's trying to just get through the day, do their best. Everyone's trying their hardest. Those levels will be different. But we do still make so many assumptions that everybody else is, is just coping fine or it, everything looks beautiful in their lives. And we're these kind of cretinous creatures who aren't quite coping. And, you know, I have to talk to myself like a kid and just keep going, you don't know what's really going on. And actually, I think most of the time when people are uh, more inclined to post pictures of absolute perfection or post things that look all wonderful, it's probably because they feel the absolute opposite. Yeah, no, I, I would totally agree. It's like a it's a disguise. Almost. Yeah. It's like a kind of let's put on the makeup and let's kind of go in front of the fix. camera. It's a quick fix. And I think that COVID perhaps and the whole pandemic, because when I started this podcast, podcast, that's a good podcast. No, we'll listen to that. A fish orientated <laughs> podcast called a podcast. That's my new show. But when I started this, I thought, oh, I probably won't really talk to people about COVID that much. To be fair, I didn't think it was going to go on as long as it did. No one did. But I do now talk about it. And you talk about it in your book. And potentially it gave you the opportunity, I guess, to finish the writing and sit down and really focus on it. But I do think that, you know, mental health, which was pre-pandemic, getting its voice, getting its you know, voice out there so much more. I think post-pandemic, it will be even more prevalent because I think there's going to be way more of it about. Mm. But I'm hoping, as I guess you are, that the good of COVID is that it does become, you know, something that is much more discussed, that perhaps it does change the face of social media and all those outlets more because people can't... I mean, I really do hope so because I think otherwise... You know, I saw that, you know, you suffer from anxiety. I do. You talk very openly about panic attacks. And I think we do need those things spoken about because I feel like there's a lot of people that suffer in silence. And I feel that it's what you can use your public persona for, really. Yeah, you know, I think... You know, I'm, I'm not full of hope when looking at social media. I don't know how much it will change because I think we just so use, like we sort of normalize that level of perfection or fantasy or whatever. And and sometimes we crave it and it's kind of, we're already in a bit of a mess with that. But I do think the conversation outside of it has become luckily deafening, you know, especially I've, I've been doing a lot of talks over the last 12 months with different companies who have really amplified the discussion in the workplace because my god everyone is totally struggling bar the few who are managing to really thrive at this point so you know you've got parents who are at home with multiple kids both full-time working you've got people whose jobs are on the line because of you know mass redundancy and job uncertainty and and people you know not coping with working from home at all because they're lonely they're on their own so I think the mental health discussion in the workplace has certainly been hugely amplified because it's had to you know people have had to go to their bosses line managers and say you know I'm not coping this is too much for me I'm overwhelmed and I think that will change the face of how people work and hopefully there will be more sort of flexible hours flexible where you know where you work from home or an office and and that's all really brilliant but I think there's still so much work to be done 
with social media, obviously. And, and, you know, there's no going back. We're kind of, you know, we're, it's too yeah. late for all that now. We've just got to look at new ways of, of talking about it. I think the other thing we need to really look at is schools because, you know, the, the, the sort of school model hasn't really changed in like hundreds of years yeah. and kids are really suffering. And, you know, the, the one thing that I've really picked up on during the last 12 months, just really talking to, to friends of mine who have got some really extreme examples of teenage children having you know, a really negative reaction, not only to what's going on with the pandemic, but just the modern day speed of life. Some really extreme examples. And I think teenagers are really having a tough time and something needs to be implemented in schools that can help deal with, you know, online bullying and really subtle online bullying. Like, are you left out of a TikTok video? Are you not in a WhatsApp group? You know, there's all these tiny, subtle little nuances that you know we didn't have to deal with as kids because you know you were either bullied at school in the flesh or you weren't there was no kind of subliminal messaging online so you know so much that that needs to be done because again we can't expect our kids to not have phones to not have ipads in their lives that it's there and how to keep them communicating i guess because but but in the true sense of the word i mean i used to do i one of the many things I did sort of when I stopped being in TV was I, I learned how to do this sort of this. It was like this thing where we'd go into schools and we would I would chat to kids about communication. And my opening sentence was always, what are the ways that we all communicate? That was my key opening question. And I'm being completely honest when I tell you that I had to prompt them to say face to face. All these little mm. hands would go up and they were ages sort of 13 up to 18 and they'd go, uh, Twitter, Tumblr. They'd list like a billion different things, most of which I hadn't heard of. And I'd go, how else though? How else can we chat to each other? And I'd go on and on and they'd go, WhatsApp. I know WhatsApp, <laughs> emojis, and this. And I'd be like, bloody hell. And finally I'd go, like I'm talking to you now and you'd see them get, and they go, oh God, like as if to say, oh God, I hadn't even really thought I know. of that. I know. And there was this one really smart boy. I went to this sort of inner London school and I said to him, listen, your important moments in your life are not going to be defined by sending a text or a WhatsApp. And he said, well, what do you mean? I said, okay, but if you've got a really beautiful girlfriend, you're going to ask her to marry you. You're not going to do it by text, are you? And he said, I could because there's an emoji for a ring. (laughs) And I was like, God, oh, is this no. Ever, this is a lost cause. Please don't say that's the new thing that people are proposing on phones. I can't bear it. No, you're absolutely right. And you I know, got it's... quite cross with him. I was like, no, you will not ask her like that. Promise no, me no, now. No, no. I know you're 14, but tell but me you now you're not going to ask her. I think people have been using the easiest method to get out of face-to-face for a long time. Like, I've been dumped on text before in my <laughs> adult life. You know, I've been with my husband yeah. now 10 years, but prior to that... I was dumped on text once and I thought, like, by a grown man, is this really happening to me? Like, how can someone not even call me, let alone meet up for a chat? Like, this is absurd. And I think we all know that it's the cop out and we all know that it's an easier way of communicating. It's just such a shame that we're not doing more to try and counterbalance it by going well let's look at the moments where face-to-face is really important and really really counts for something you know it's going to be really hard getting that sort of message across to the young generation because they've grown up with phones whereas we didn't so I guess you know we understand the sort of beauty and at times the utter discomfort of having really difficult conversations but ultimately that being better you know and I'm not saying that from a, a place where I've nailed that every time either you know I've certainly 
copped out of having to have difficult conversations because it's felt too scary, but I probably just haven't done anything. I haven't tried to sort of communicate in any other way. I've just sort of gone a bit quiet because it is hard, but I think, you know, it is super, super important. If I went back to when like my daughter who didn't really love school, didn't have a good time at school. If she'd had somebody like you coming in for a chat, I honestly think it would have been really groundbreaking. I, I really do. And, I, and I, I was really struck by that. And I was also struck looking back at like your TV career and I guess my TV career in children's television, if we'd have had the ability, I guess, maybe to do more of that in that medium. I mean, it's oh, you know, God, hindsight's an amazing thing. I but wouldn't wish. it have been incredible if when you were doing that? If I'm honest with you, like, you know, when I was on Radio 1, my God, you know, if I was on Radio 1 every day now, there's so much I would want to say. There's so many like meaningful things I would want to say. But, you know, because I don't think my thought process has changed very much. Like hopefully it's got healthier. But I think I've always been super curious about these sort of subject matters. I just haven't felt like I had a place in saying any of it because I was just a radio presenter or just a TV presenter. Like what? Yeah. why are people going to listen to what I've got to say or whatever? So I did keep really quiet, I think. Um, well, certainly in moments of my own personal struggle, I wouldn't have dared said, oh God, I feel really awful today or anything on the radio. But I wish that I could have used it for more um, good back then. You know, I did a lot of charity work, but I didn't necessarily talk about stuff that I was passionate about. Whereas, you know, that's literally all I do now. Well, I think telly's changed massively. And Mm. I think actually what I see in you now is I think you're a broadcaster in the best sense of the word because you're doing what you're passionate about. And I've always said the difference between being a TV, radio presenter, a broadcaster is people go, why don't you, you know, why don't you become an actress? I'm like, because actually when you're an actress, you're playing a role. If you're a broadcaster in the proper sense of the word, you should be speaking your truth. You should be the same off screen as you are on screen. I mean, I used to find if somebody came up to me and said, oh, you're just like you are, you know, you'd be like, well, thank goodness, because I'm not acting being a TV presenter. So you don't want to be different when somebody meets you. And I think that maybe this is like your, you found your niche and you found like what it is you love doing. And actually- I just feel comfortable. Yeah. Comfortable. I don't think I felt comfortable before. If I'm totally honest with you, I don't know how you felt, but I never found a comfort in- TV or radio presenting a hundred percent. I always felt like there were people doing it way better than me. There, there were funnier people, more entertaining people. I didn't really know. I, I knew that I could talk about music because I was deeply passionate about it. But outside of that, I just felt like everybody else seems to sort of be more entertaining and much, much funnier. And I, I just didn't find a peace within it. Whereas now, talking to you now, doing the Instagram live, doing a podcast. I am 100% me, but I'm also completely confident in what I'm saying because I absolutely believe it. I'm not second guessing like, what do the audience want to set me to say now? What are they waiting for? How do I get a laugh out of someone? I, I, I feel like now I'm just saying what I need to say. So I have found such a comfort and that is really wonderful. And it's kind of why I guess I don't do much TV anymore because I don't know what that TV show would look like no I mean I think it's I think TV has changed but I think what I used to feel was just so replaceable oh massively I just felt constantly insecure I loved doing it in the moment and there'd be that massive high and then there'd just be that massive insecurity you know and I would just be like 
oh my god oh my god you but know, we like, were like, replaceable and we are yeah. like you know, you are, i was yeah. taken off so many shows without explanation like no Me one would too. ever call and go oh by the way look don't take it personally it's just this it would be like oh god that's on tv and i'm not on it anymore what the hell like until yeah. very recently you know that that was happening and i think I got really tired of that. It was devastating. And I'm very similar. I was taken off shows or it would sort of change. You know, doing this podcast on my own is really the first time. And I'm 55. I've been brave enough to do something solo because I it's taken me that long to think, okay, this is my sort of area that I love chatting to. I love talking to people. I love having the opportunity to kind of find out more about them. And this is my happy spot. Yeah. But it takes a long time to get that confidence. And I guess that what they see is not necessarily, you know, what's going on underneath. And so again, that's why I I applaud you on this because you talk, you know, you talk about everything from anorexia, bulimia, having panic attacks, you know, opening the drawers of secret stuff, depression, which I know you've become so open about, which is just phenomenal because I think that unless people talk about those things and realize how, prevalent they are you know I I used to always sort of slightly tell people but always with a little bit of trepidation and then sort of make an excuse for it and go well it probably wasn't a real panic attack I mean like I have a panic attack I mean you know but actually I think you are with all your outlets you are really changing that I think you've given that I've seen what you've done and you really are giving people the bravery to I hope so yeah I really hope so because you know I'm I'm not saying any of it for people to go, oh, God, you poor thing. Because, you know, uh, th- this is just a chance for me to go. I've t- you know, spoken out loud and also talked to some people that I really trust, like really good friends. You've got to pick the right people. Like this is way before I kind of went public talking about any of this sort of stuff. And it makes such a difference. And I think I remember doing one particular TV job and I had to drive a car for some of the shots. And one of my main triggers uh, it's not one of my main triggers but it is a trigger for a panic attack is driving on a motorway I mean I, I haven't even tried for like four years now because I've just got out of the habit and I've just thought oh, I can't be bothered I'll, I'll get to that down the road I'll face that sort of fear and I was so nervous and thinking oh my god what if I'm driving and then one comes on what will I this is going to be so mortifying and embarrassing and actually before we even started filming I just said to the director you know I'd love to have a quick word with you if I go on a, a busy A road or, or, or a motorway, I might have a panic attack. So I'm, I'll just have to say to you, can I pull over? And he was like, oh God, don't even worry about it. And then I didn't feel any fear, yeah. any nerves about it. And I cracked on with the shots and I drove on the A roads just fine. So I think that's a really tiny, silly example. But when you say something out loud to someone who will tell your boss or tell your partner or whatever that you're struggling, it, it will never be met with, God, what's wrong with you? It will always be met with, yeah. look, I've got your back or even more so, which I've realised, especially with the panic attacks is, oh God, me too. <laughs> you know, me yeah. too. I've so been there. Or like one of my friends who's now in her 70s said to me, oh, darling, when I had kids your age, I'd have them all the time. I was so overwhelmed and I was sleep deprived. And I was like, <laughs> oh, this is quite a normal thing then. So I think just normalising yeah. it and not making it this like freakish thing that you've got going on is, is such a comfort. So it, it's about picking the right people and talking and you know rather than struggling in silence and feeling so alone and isolated and I really did feel like that certainly when I had a big depressive episode and I was at work I just thought 
God, what's wrong with me? Everyone else is just getting on with their lives. And I've caused all this drama in my life and all this weird stuff to be happening. And now I'm dealing with all the consequences and I feel like absolute death. And what's wrong with me? I just think, what is wrong with me constantly? Whereas if you open up to one person who is either there for you or has been there, that just goes. The shame, the guilt, yeah. it just goes. But you're right. You have to pick that person carefully. You know, not you really do. carefully, but you but but pretty carefully because it can go either way because, and, and often I find that it's a bit, it, it's the kindness of strangers sometimes that's epic because a trigger for me to have a panic attack is turbulence in a flight. Right. And so I picked completely the wrong place to live in my life and saying to my children, <laughs> yes, go, go live in America so I can fly constantly across the Atlantic and be on each coast so that we've got a really, <laughs> so that I can permanently be on a plane yeah. pre-pandemic. And I used to get on a plane and I would be like a magnet for turbulence, right? Every other plane and we get on it, ladies and gentlemen, I'm afraid today we're going to have a few. Oh. oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And I used to announce it to somebody and I would sort of look around and it almost became, I think, okay, who can I tell? Who can I tell? And I'd normally tell a stewardess, I'd say, listen, if it gets really bumpy, I am probably going to have a panic attack. Like, is that, I'd be very British. I'd be, is that okay? I can remember asking. <laughs> is it like, okay? Would it be okay if I had one? I am That's in, brilliant. you know, I am in an aisle seat. I won't block <laughs> the aisle, but is it okay if I have a panic attack? Uh, and I, I can honestly tell you that people were so unbelievably kind. Yeah. And it didn't take much to really make that okay. okay. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's like, I think people think sometimes they have to do so much in order to make something better, but you don't. It's just the utter kindness of that. Yeah, and, and the other weird thing that I've sort of learned, because when I've been interviewing people for the podcast, I will often use them as a sort of free private therapy session if it's someone who's really <laughs> amazing and just try yeah. and get the answers. And I, there, was a, there was a couple of, episodes one with Deepak Chopra where we were talking about panic attacks and and I sort of said you know what is the way to help abate such a situation because I feel like I've tried so many things and it's that age-old thing that we've all heard but whatever you resist persists so actually in the moment rather than go this is so embarrassing I need to get this away how can I stop fit let me just take some deep breaths oh my god I'm such a freak because I can't fall asleep at night and this panic keeps coming you just go Go on then, panic attack. Do your best. Let's go for it. Let's have a panic attack. Bring it on. Let's feel the panic. Let's go with it. And it just helps. Every, I mean, it might not always make it completely dissipate, but it just brings it down a notch because you're yeah. not fighting it. You're just going, this is happening. This is quite normal. And especially at the moment with a pandemic going on, and especially in the speed and abnormality of the modern world. You know, what we're living through isn't normal. We live in quite a toxic environment with constant messages. People can contact us any time of day or night. We can be bombarded with news from around the globe at any minute of the day. Like none of this is normal. We've just made it normal. So we're we're having to really like live amongst a lot of toxicity and also knowing that we're sort of killing the planet and all this stuff, you know, it's all really heavy. And so yes, we are going to feel these sort of tumultuous emotions and, and things come up for us. And that's okay. And I think rather than go, I've got to find a cure. I've got to fix myself. I must do this. It's just like, this is just how it is. Let's just go with it. Come on then panic. And you know, that usually works for me. Yeah, no, I think, oh, I'm going to take that on board. Actually, yeah. I, love that. I love that analogy. And I think you're right. It is all too much for us at oh, the moment. God, I, it is. It is. 
It's just too much. And I'm not even homeschooling. I can't even imagine. Both my kids have spent most of the pandemic. Oh, um, I cannot imagine awful. you doing it. I'm like, no, you can't. And I can't imagine doing it. And Lily was like, you'd have been arrested because basically <laughs> you would have given us a year off and the police would have come around and said, to you, you're not educating your children. And oh, I said, right. we're kind of at that point. We're kind of at that point. You know, oh. it's not it's not easy, but we've all got shit going on. You know, we've all got stuff going on and we've and, you know, we've, we've all got different challenges going on. And, you know, I obviously I know your sister really well and yeah. you've got all of that going on and it's everybody's got stuff that they're trying to deal with and process and none of this is easy and, and none of us should assume that anybody's finding it easy because their life looks shiny and perfect or whatever. We're all processing a lot, you know, globally on mass, but also individually. And we're all trying our best. Nobody's not trying their best. Do you know what I mean, no, everyone's just trying their best. Everybody's just trying to get through it and get to yeah. the next day. And, and, and yeah, you're right. You know, my sister's dealing with stuff and I speak to her, daily and we're just like what does today bring and we have to bring I mean our thing is to bring pretty dark humor into it because without <laughs> that, she's going through chemo and last night she rang me and she said Johnny her husband she went he's top trump me tonight his back has gone into a spasm I was oh like, no I said could we just have one round of chemo where there isn't an added oh. we call it top trumping you know we call it this like he's got this or I've got that and if I ring her and I go oh god you know I had this that and the other day she goes no it's not it's not as big as what I'm going through. I go, no, you're right. No, you're absolutely right. She's so brilliant. You know, we've been talking a lot and it's been it's been so lovely just sort of catching up with her and checking in. And we've sort of created a bit of um, an ad hoc book club <laughs> via WhatsApp. And we've just been sort of, yeah. she's been sending me books. I've been sending her some. And it's just been a really lovely distraction, I think, for both of us. We need a moment. And as you say, a kind of a pause button to... to let go of the worry for a minute and yeah. just you know, actually it is a lot and we yeah, yeah, and that's why I love doing this podcast because for that moment I get to sort of distract and chat to somebody else and like you it's a bit like sort of therapy I'm kind of chatting to people going, yeah. okay so I'm not alone that person that I've just interviewed they feel like that they've had this and everybody's got shit going on there is everybody. nobody who's kind of not had shit going on no it's you know as I said like unless you're one of the enlightened few you've got shit going on and even they've yeah, got shit going on they just have the tools to not let it become something huge whereas you know we're all just trying to kind of get on with it and do our best and I think we just have to keep coming back to that we're all we're all doing our best and also I think that sort of thinking allows you to be so much more compassionate and empathetic towards other people because we're all doing this, you know, we're all in it together. So we can sort of lessen the judgment and lessen the assumptions made and just go, God, we are all really just sort of trying to get on with it, aren't we? I'm so thrilled to chat to you because as I say, I think your books are brilliant. I love everything that you're doing and sort of don't stop doing it because you're, you're really helping and inspiring even old birds like me so um, oh god well I love I, doing it thank I feel very you lucky. I'll definitely keep doing it it's um it's my absolute passion so yeah I absolutely want thank you so much for having me on I'm so glad oh that, god, it's a that we got to chat well we did and thank you so much Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. And also, if you've enjoyed this episode, do leave a five-star review and you can find out more by going to buyemma.co.